0: following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So we're going to be talking about Sabbath a little bit this morning. And uh, it's almost, the morning's almost gone, so this day we're talking about Sabbath. And I thought it would be good to start out with a, um, an amusing tweet. It's always good to start a sermon with an amusing tweet, isn't it? Uh, this is by Alyssa Wilkinson, who was a former film critic for Christianity Today and who now writes for Vox Media she wrote this a few weeks ago on a Sunday. After church, I'm helping a friend build IKEA furniture while partaking in cocktails, and this is absolutely how I Sabbath. <laughs> so I thought that would resonate somewhat with, uh, with the artisan crowd. Um, <laughs> some of you have no idea what Sabbath is, and uh, you're thinking that if that's the definition of a sacred behavior, well, then maybe you've been wrong to be skeptical of religion all these years. But, um, <clears throat> Sabbath is a a word that we get from a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word, I think if we were pronouncing it Hebraically, we would say Shabbat. Uh, Our Jewish friends still say Shabbat. And uh, it's a word that just means rest. Now, one of the things interesting about the word rest in English is that it can be both a verb and a noun, can't it? You can rest, that would be a verb form, or you can take a rest, that would be a noun form. Is the grammar getting too too dense for us here? The same is actually true in Hebrew. Uh, Alyssa Wilkinson used it as a Sabbath. This is how I Sabbath, or she used it as a verb, excuse me. Um, but typically we think of it as a noun. Sabbath is a thing. Sabbath is a day. Sabbath is a time. It might be interesting to think about Sabbath as a verb, as something that we do actively and on purpose. So the commandment to uh, keep and observe and remember Sabbath, it's, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Are you familiar with the Ten Commandments? I know that you all want to keep the Ten Commandments. So I'm curious, uh, how many of you in the room, by show of hands, observe a true Sabbath rest, meaning uh, no work, no significant travel, and no participation in commerce, every week, on um, Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, which is how Jewish people mark days, from sundown to sundown. So, show of hands, once again, those of you who observe Sabbath, no work, no travel, no commerce, every week, Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, uh, I want you to put your hands up, please, if you observe the Sabbath. I don't see any hands up. So it looks like 100% of the people of Artisan Church disobey one of the Ten Commandments. Wow. <laughs> you know, maybe those Google reviews are uh, actually right about us. I <laughs> do Well... Uh, <laughs> Don't read those, it's not, not recommended. <laughs> two, uh, two of our lectionary passages for today give us a little window into the idea of Sabbath and how it came about and uh, how it was observed. And so I want to look at those, and the first one is from Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now you can find this in your own Bibles if you brought one, or you can search it on your phone, that would probably be the first result if you search for it on Google, or you can use our red Bibles, which are in the chairs. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 25. In the Red Bibles, it's page 142. And this is the giving of the Ten Commandments, just the part about this particular one of them. It says the following. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. By the way, you remember the story from the children's moment? How Jesus was being criticized about the observance of the Sabbath and he healed this man by saying to him, stretch out your arm. I wonder if Jesus was calling back Deuteronomy 5 for all those people there when it says that we're to remember, they're to remember they were brought out of slavery in Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. I don't know for sure, but that would be really interesting if Jesus was doing that. That's some grade A Bible trolling right there. But Jesus says, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, some of us like to follow rules, whether we know why they exist or not. How many of you are rule followers? You don't need a reason. All you need is a rule. And the more of them you have, the happier you would be. There's a few of you out there. But some of us, some of us like rules are fine. We don't have anything against rules necessarily. But I would really like to know why. How many people are why people when it comes to rules, right? Don't give me into those stupid rules with no reason. i got to know why. Well, some of us are in between. I see you making the so-so sign. I'm kind of in between, too. Um, I, don't know what, I don't know what that is. But interestingly enough, we don't get reasons for most of the Ten Commandments. It's just kind of like, don't do this, right? Simple enough, just don't do it. But in the case of the Sabbath, we do get a reason, Deuteronomy 5 shows us that the reason for observing Sabbath is that it helps God's people to remember that they were once enslaved, they were under the thumb of an oppressive empire, and that God had led them in an act of rebellion against that, of rejection of that empire, and God led them into something better and healthier, something that results in their wholeness and their human dignity and their flourishing. Now, I've extrapolated that a little bit, but actually not very much. You were once enslaved, working seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, no dignity, no flourishing. You were just cogs in the machine. And now that's not who you are anymore. God has redeemed you from that and brought you out of that. So you remember Sabbath as a way of kind of rejecting the oppression of the empire. But the million-dollar question with, with the Bible especially some of the Old Testament, which is even more old than the New Testament, is how do we apply that today? What should we make of that rationale for observing the Sabbath in the 21st century in the United States? Now, America has its own very ugly and evil history with slavery. And the truth is, each one of us is going to experience that history differently, primarily based on the color of our skin. So we will need to do some real work as people trying to think about this particular reason for Sabbath keeping in our particular context today. That's going to be complicated to figure out. But even without that rather large elephant in the room, it's difficult, isn't it? To take some of, these, some of this ancient literature and apply it to our modern, postmodern lives, right. even when that ancient literature is sacred, inspired, authoritative literature for us, it can be really hard to understand how to apply it, given that some of it is uh, clearly culturally bound and some of it seems to be more based on principles and should be there for, for all time can be hard to apply the text of Scripture in our modern day. But I don't want you to be discouraged by that. See, here's what happens. Sometimes people um, are either raised with the Bible in a very kind of simplistic and uh, dogmatic way, or they're not raised in religious uh, communities at all, and they come to the Bible, it comes to a certain point where you read it and you go, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. This, this is... Why, what is the, why, why was I even... Who could possibly... Have you ever thought that way about the Bible or or talked to somebody who did? I think that's a normal thing to come up against. And I do think it's important at some point in your um, maturation as a spiritual person, as a a follower of Christ, as a person of the book, to get beyond that place where the Bible is just an answer list for you, to get beyond that place where the the Bible is just a, a big, long rule book or any of those things. And here's my, my promise to you. If you will engage with, with the Bible in a deeper way, and if you will do the hard work of learning how to read it and interpret it and apply it in our modern context, rather than just rejecting it out of hand and saying, it's, it's simplistic, it's contradictory, it's all those things. If you, if you will fight through it, if you will fight for it, I can promise you that on the other side of that, it's, it's entirely possible and probably likely that you will come out loving the Bible even more understanding the Bible more deeply and having it actually create a more uh, inspired and authoritative um, understanding of what the Bible is. But it's very hard work to get through that process and I know some of you are in that process right now. I want to encourage you. Keep fighting. Keep, Keep going. It's worth it. But wait. Here's something else to think about. Did you know there's not just one account of the giving of the Ten Commandments in the Bible. There's actually two different accounts in two different books of the Bible that tell the story of the giving of the Ten Commandments. Surely they they must give the same reason for why you should keep the Sabbath, right? Maybe we better check, just to make sure. Uh, Would you turn with me, or look up, or just listen, to Exodus chapter 20... Verses 8 through 11. This would be page 58 in the Red Bibles if you're using those. By the way, if you don't own a Bible, please take a Red Bible with you. It's our gift to you. Here's what it says. It'll sound very familiar and then it suddenly will not. Okay? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns... For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. So whereas before the reason, the rationale for observing Sabbath was to remember this oppressive empire that you've come out of and to to stand against it, now the reason is simply rest. Rest because rest. Rest is good. God rested. And if you want to be more godly, you should rest after your labors. God rested after making the whole universe. You should rest after whatever you make, whatever creation you produce in your line of work. For them, it might have been crops or animals or carpentry. For you, it might be medicine or uh, software code or... Music or art, education, when you are done making all of that good stuff, and you can look and say, that's good, you should rest, because that's what God did. So you you rest because it's what God did, and because you need to rest after you work. This is, by the way, the much more widely taught reason, isn't it? How many of you came into the room today with some understanding of Sabbath, sort of like Sabbath is rest, we're supposed to rest because God tells us to rest. It's important to rest, right? How many of you came in saying, you should keep Sabbath to to reject the oppressive empires of the world? (laughs) Not so much. That one one doesn't get the press very much, does it? The Exodus one is the the earlier text, the, the rest one, and then Deuteronomy is the later text, and that's about the empire and, and slavery and being redeemed. So, and did, by the way, did you notice there's a different verb in each case? Right? Uh, the, um, let me make sure I get it right, the Deuteronomy one says observe the Sabbath day, and the Exodus one says remember the Sabbath day. Uh, a word observe can mean like keep or guard or protect something. Like you're, you're, you're setting this apart to be special. Because God set it apart to be special. Observe means uh, to, to make this part of your sacredness. And remember is different. So we have two different verbs and two different rationales for observing the Sabbath. So which one is right? Yes. <laughs> right? They can both be true, can't they? How many of you love broccoli? Show of hands. How many of you love broccoli? A lot of hands. Okay. Um, how many of you... Did not love broccoli when you were five. Right? Okay? So where are the broccoli converts among us? I'm a broccoli convert. I hated it when I was... I mean, I didn't care for it, no thank you, when I was five. And now as an adult, I really love it. Right? Why are you such liars? <laughs> why, does, why are there so many contradictions in the Bible? I mean, in your dietary preferences. What you see is different people at different times thinking of the world differently and thinking of God differently. And that's normal and that's okay. Notice also, there are really not many details about how to observe or remember or keep the Sabbath, are there? It says don't work, and nobody in your sphere of influence is to work either, but what constitutes work? I mean, surely if I go in the field and harvest a whole row of wheat, that would be, that would be work, but what if I only harvest it a little bit? I mean, surely uh, undertaking a long journey would be work, but what if I just want to go visit my friend? Can I do that? These questions are left open for God's people to wrestle with and find their own answers to. Which, more often than not, is kind of the case, isn't it? You have a commandment in Scripture and you want to follow it, but you don't know how, maybe in part because of the cultural distance. You have to wrestle with it and figure it out. And and being obedient to the words of Scripture is not always black and white, cut and dried. But what's not in dispute in the text is how important Sabbath was. Now, I don't have time to go into all the other texts that mention Sabbath in the Old Testament, but if you read the prophets especially, the keeping of Sabbath is extremely important. I mean, failing to observe Sabbath places, places you outside of, of God's goodness and design uh, in a way that, that you would probably equate with much more serious offenses like murder or theft or bearing false witness or some of the Ten Commandments. (laughs) And it's taken very seriously right up to the time of Jesus and beyond. By the time of Jesus, there were lots of specific guidelines and assumptions about how Sabbath was to be observed and regulated. About exactly how far you could or could not travel. About the fact that you couldn't carry anything or about the fact that you could not harvest anything. And this, the specifics of observing Sabbath, became a major point of contention between Jesus and many of his critics. So our other lectionary text today that I want to share with you is from Mark chapter 2. It's the text that the children's moment was based on this morning, but I'm not going to read the part about the, the healing of the man with the withered hand. I'm going to read the part that leads up to that before it. Mark 2, 23 through 28, page 814 in the Red Bibles. You can follow along or just listen. One Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the cornfields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Something that's going to be a little obscure for us, but bear with me. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Now, that's an obscure reference to another part of the Bible. You don't know that story, perhaps, and you don't need to know it. All he's saying is that David saw fit with his men to break the law because they were in need. They were hungry. And then he goes on to say to to the Pharisees this. The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, here, for the second week in a row, I think, we have an instance where our translation of the Bible, in an effort to translate a word in a gender-nonspecific way, we, we've lost a little bit of the, the poignancy of the meaning. And I think it's a fair trade-off. I think it's important for us to do those things. and to, I, I'm, We use this translation because we like it. Um, but the word man it used... Uh, in this way doesn't mean a male person. It means all of man. But Jesus kind of makes a little pun here saying originally the Sabbath wasn't made for man. but um, Excuse me. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man, which is a title he's appropriating for himself from the prophet Daniel, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now all of that can be very confusing but the point is this. God didn't make people so that there would be somebody to follow the rules How silly would that be? You know, God's making the animals and He makes the sun and the moon, makes the plants and the sea and the fishies and all that stuff, and then He makes all the rules. And then He's like, well, there's nobody here to follow the rules. I better make somebody else. No, 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 no. The rules were there, including the Sabbath, for the good of the people who were already made and whom God already loved. They were made in God's very image and likeness. And the Sabbath restrictions are designed to uh, allow these human beings that he made and whom he loved to flourish in their lives and to have dignity. We could think of uh, lots of other laws in the Bible and wonder about them as well. I mean, with Sabbath, it's pretty clear. Resting one day a week is very healthy for you, right? Um, it may be that especially in an ancient culture, the laws about cleanliness were really important. I mean, we just heard about uh, getting the surgical degree, and you, you scrub up pretty good when you go into surgery, don't you? Yeah. They didn't have Purell, right? The dietary restrictions, I mean, uh, there's a whole thing in the New Testament where, where these are kind of uh, obviated, but uh, even today... <laughs> When you go out to the restaurant with your friends, isn't it always the person who orders the shrimp who texts you at midnight, like, I think I have food poisoning, <laughs> right? Maybe there's more to this law than, than we give it credit for. It's easy for me to say because I don't care for seafood, but I mean, who among us hasn't gotten a rash from wearing a, a garment with mixed fibers in it, right? Well, maybe that, maybe that one's not quite as easy to understand. Because we can't always see it. We can't always see the reason for it. And yes, sometimes culture changes. We have showers and sinks in Purell now. We have hopefully good food handling methodology. But I think reclaiming Sabbath remembering it if you will or or deciding to observe it to keep it to guard it to make it holy for us i think there'd be a very powerful action for god's people to take and the question of course is how do we do it because i don't think most of you have the margin in your life to suddenly stop doing everything from friday sundown to saturday sundown that's not probably in the cards for most of you right now it's not in the cards for me right now i don't think Although I had a very friendly argument with my good friend Don Schiefer this week. Some of you know Don. He and his family actually do observe a Jewish-style Sabbath, even though he's a Christian pastor, where they, they don't participate in commerce, they don't travel very far, they don't work on Saturdays. Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. And um, I admire that, but I don't really understand how he can possibly do it. And he's like, well, the Sabbath is the Sabbath. You can't take the Sabbath any other day. It's like saying, I'm going to take my Thursday on a Monday. It's a nonsensical statement. And he's right. He's right. But here's the thing. And and to be fair to him, he would not set the bar that high for anybody else. That's his personal decision for his own family's life and his life and his family's life. But here's the thing. Um, My wife, Tracy, is a personal trainer. Some of you know that, right? And she is really tough. And um, I'm not foolish enough to engage in anything such like a, a push-up contest with her or a, a, like how long can you hold a plank contest with her um, because I don't like to lose. <laughs> and that would be a guaranteed way for me to lose at a contest. But Tracy would tell you, uh, and, and your personal trainers or your you know, gym class, uh, your, your uh, classes at the gym, the instructors tell you this. You can what? You can modify the exercise a little bit, Right. If you can't do a plank on your toes, do a plank on your knees. If you can't hold it for a minute, it's better to hold it for 20 seconds than not to hold it at all. If you are starting a running regimen and you can't run a mile yet without stopping, it's better to run 500 feet than not to run at all, isn't it? I think the same goes for trying to apply these, these laws and, and guidelines that God provides for us in Scripture. Like You probably can't get all the way there. But the lie of all lies in the spiritual life is this. If you can't do the whole thing, don't bother doing it at all. It's a lie. Reject that. It is a lie. It would be much better for you to bite off a little piece that you can actually chew than to give up the opportunity to do it at all. So when it comes to Sabbath observance, you may not be able to cease all of your activity in accordance with the true Jewish Sabbath uh, every week. What could you do that on a different day of the week, maybe. I do a day off that I kind of try to treat like a Sabbath on Mondays. Sorry, Don, that's just how I roll. Some of you might be able to do that on a different day of the week. It might be Saturday for you, it might be Sunday for you. Christians observe the Lord's Day, right? That's the day of the resurrection. But we sort of conflate the two sometimes, don't we? If, you, if Sunday is your day of rest, more power to you. Here's something though, that, that I decided to try to do this week, though. I have only ever thought about Sabbath in the in the rest reason, for the rest reason, right? I've only ever thought, like, well, I need to take care of myself, so I need to stop working so that I can be rested, so that I can get back to work the next day and for the rest of the week. All of you want a pastor who's well-rested and healthy, right? So I'm going to, you, 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 some of you are very good about this. You, you don't, you don't contact me on Monday, and if you didn't know that, it's okay. It's not, I, I have ways to, Protect myself from that, but you know, you encourage me to take those days of rest. But I don't think any of you has ever encouraged me to take a day every week and uh, uh, every week and do something to as an act of resistance to the empire. Nobody has ever. My, the Pastoral Relations Committee has never said to me, "Are you doing any acts of resistance to the empire on a weekly basis?" <laughs> They've never done that. They've never asked me that question. So I've decided I'm going to try to do some of that. And for us, that might be things like choosing how and when and when not to engage in commercial activity. That may actually... It's not going to make any difference to ExxonMobil if you don't fill up your tank on Monday. Sorry, Facebook people. Um, But that whole thing, like, don't fill up your tank on Monday and we'll put them out of business. It doesn't work because you fill up on Sunday or Tuesday. But... But as a personal act of resistance, that kind of thing can be powerful for your own soul. And actually, if we all did it together, it might make a big difference, which is part of my friend's argument for why we should do it at a certain time of the week. But the point is this, I want you to do what you can, when you can, because right now you might not not be doing anything. Your Sabbath observance might be zero right now. And if it is, I want to encourage you to make it one. (laughs) You know, you don't have to get to ten or a hundred or a thousand. So would you please do this for me? Think about ways, specific, maybe little actionable ways you can engage in some activity that is restful to you or stop engaging in other activities that are not restful to you. And think about ways that you can actively kind of protest the assumptions of empire. That's a harder and more complicated one. But if you'll try to do those two things, I would love to hear what your experience is. Will you try that for a couple of weeks and then tell me what it is? And if you want to hear more about my Mondays, I'd be happy to tell you about that as well. But please be encouraged that you don't have to do 100% of it on your first try. Remember, that's the great lie of the spiritual life. So be blessed and be well and be rested and be resistant. Because that's one of the Ten Commandments. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this message from Scripture. These words from Deuteronomy and Exodus and the Gospel of Mark, we pray that you would help us to understand them and to apply them. We give you thanks that Jesus shows us that people are more important than rules, that we are more important than laws, but that some of these laws really do serve us well, help us to find ways to observe, to remember, to guard and keep Sabbath in our lives, May it be part of the way that you restore our souls through rest. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to invite you now to come and participate in Holy Communion. We have uh, gluten-free bread and wine and juice. Choose the combination that works best for you. And as the music is playing and we're singing, you can come and dip the bread in the cup and receive it right at the table. May it be for you an act of remembrance. May it be the real presence of Jesus Christ, his body and blood in this place with us. And may it be an act of unity with each other and with every other Christian who has ever taken communion. There'll be a member of the prayer team who'd be happy to pray with you at the back of the room during this time as well. And so I encourage you to respond, however, the Spirit might be leading you this morning. Let's continue to worship God together. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.